I appreciate y'all inviting me this morning uh, to share the word with you. I told Brandon I was going to share a story with you real quick. Who in here turkey hunts? Raise your hand if you turkey hunt. We got all kind of red. Hey, that's I fit in then. Uh, I may say some words that y'all don't know, um, but listen, I got to thinking about when Brandon called me turkey hunting. And if you don't know anything about turkey hunting, the toms usually follow each other around. Well, the problem is. These two friends follow each other around, and one ends up getting shot at some point. So here I am. I answered the call that Brandon had, and, and he asked me to come preach. And I said, oh, Lord, I feel like a turkey about to get shot. What's about to happen to me? And I said, if I'm going to be efficient for you, God, I need you to give me something. I need you to give me a word because I was going to preach on the deity of Christ and go over the doctrines of Christ at our church. And I said, what do I preach to a a group of saved people Sunday morning. I'm going to the well. That, that these people have got to be saved. Well, he reminded me, not everybody in the church is saved. Not everybody in the church has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So he said, preach me. And he gave me a word. And I want to I leave you with, or I want to start with this thought this morning. Uh, uh, who's ever rode by and seen those green trash cans on the side of the road that say GDS? What does it mean? Garbage disposal services, right? Well, God gave me two points to preach off of that. And it was, it, it was like a, a revelation that came to me. Uh, these two points were, number one, God definitively saves. God definitively saves through His Son, Jesus Christ. And number two, God has a disposal system through grace. Through grace. But I want to cover two topics with you today. Number one, salvation. Number two, grace. That disposal system that comes through Jesus Christ and the shedding of His blood. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no doing away with sin. So I, 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 I pray that you'd open uh, your Bible this morning, Second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to go through 1 through 11 this morning. And I want, I want you to have on your mind salvation and grace. Salvation and grace. Let's answer this question real quick. Is this some holy water right here? Because I need it, bro. What is grace this morning? Grace is a gift. It is God's favor and kindness toward us. It's undeserved, yet He shows it to us, to us anyway. And I believe there are some common graces that we all are endowed with when we're born. I believe that we all can see grace and creation, uh, creation before we're saved. I believe that we all have uh, grace in our ordinary lives. Who've ever been riding down the road and they've been behind somebody really slow and, and to find out there was a, a horrible wreck up ahead of you before you were saved by Jesus Christ? You don't think that's grace? That's grace right there. But we're also showed that uh, the, the things just ha happen right on time. That's God's grace. See, if we believe that God is sovereign, in which He is, He is in control of everything. He has control of everything. He is in and above everything. Amen. We have grace that tells us right from wrong. But when one becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, God affords us with more grace. More grace, an abundant grace, an efficient grace. Those who have faith in Christ receive a spiritual grace. 
from the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. So let's dig into the scripture this morning. We're gonna, if you'll stand with me in reverence to God's word, uh, uh, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 11 this morning. 1 through 11 this morning. First Corinthians 15 says this. Moreover, brethren, I, I declare unto you the gospel which I prepared unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in your memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures." And that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, and as a one born out of due time. Paul is, is writing here to us. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, but I am persecuted because I persecuted the church of God. But listen to this right here. By, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Let us pray. Dear God, I pray uh, this morning, Father, Lord, we come humbly before you. Lord, we're here for one purpose and one purpose alone, Lord, to glorify you, to magnify you, to exalt you this morning. God, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your uh, word would pierce our hearts and our souls this morning. God, Lord, I pray that you'd show us what you'd have to show us through the word this morning. Lord, help us uh, uh, be edified this morning, God. And Lord, we love you, and we're going to give you all praise and glory uh, from this point forward uh, through the rest of our lives. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. amen. Let's dig into the scripture this morning. At first, uh, we see what Paul calls the gospel which I preached unto you. Let me tell you right now, the gospel is grace to everyone that believeth. The gospel is grace to everyone that believeth. God did not have to save us. He did not have to save us. He could have let us rot in, 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 in hell and not, not put up with us. He didn't have to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to take away our sins. But He chose to. You see, that is grace. That is grace when God says, I love them enough that I'm going to send them a bridge I'm going to send them a mediator so that I can spend eternity with them. That is grace. Listen, John 3 verses 16 and 17 say it all. For God so loved the world. You know what that, that line right there is? That line right there sums up grace. For God so loved the world. And then we have why he loved the world. That he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, Amen. but live an eternal life. But what does 17 say? 17 says, For Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
That is a story of grace. That is a story of God's undeserved favor and kindness toward each one of us. Yet we push it off so often. Acts 20, 24, Paul declared this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry. Now listen to this, which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. See, that's what we're here for, friends. We're here to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Well, what is the grace of God? Jesus Christ is the grace of God. Him sending His Son into the world is the grace of God. Where we should have been condemned to an eternal hell to be punished for the rest of our lives, Jesus Christ did away with that. He took our sins. He, he bore our sins on a cross and He died with our sins on a cross. He carried the weight that we could not carry. And in my opinion, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how you would see it any other way, but that is undeserved kindness and favor right there by a gracious God. John Piper said it best. John Piper said, The ministry Paul had been given by the risen Christ was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And that, uh, is, and that is his ministry he has given every pastor. That is the ministry he has given you and I to testify of the good news of the grace of God. But let me ask you a question. What does Paul say about the gospel of Christ? Well, let's look in verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 say this. For I delivered unto you, uh, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised, and on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You see, you cannot deliver something that you don't have. You can't deliver something that you don't have. So I pray this morning, if you don't have that gospel of grace, I pray that you'd find Him. I pray that you'd find Him this morning. Because it is ultimately Jesus Christ who does the power in our lives. But listen, Paul says, of first importance. Listen, we walk around here and the gospel of, of Christ is something in the back trunk. Come on. Am I lying? The gospel is not an afterthought. It is not something that we should hide in the trunk or in a locker. The gospel of Christ, a gospel of grace, is of first importance. It should be the forefront of our lives. It should be the forefront of our ministries. But oftentimes we leave it in the back. We'll go visit people and not say anything about Christ. We'll go visit, you know, the downtrodden, the ones who need help, the widows, the, the people in prison, and we'll just say, well, I'm praying for you. And we won't even discuss the gospel of Christ with them. I've been there, I know. And y'all are just like me. We're no different. The gospel of Christ has to be of first importance in our lives. It's not something to be included just once in a while. The gospel is and always will be the lifeblood of you and I and the heart of our ministry when we follow God. It is of first importance because it is through the gospel 
that God resurrects your dead soul into life. Who's been resurrected from death into life this morning? You know, when Brandon was up here and they got done with singing a song, and he said, you know, you can count it emotion if you want to. Man, I was standing right back there in the middle of this aisle, and the Holy Spirit hit me in the chest. That ain't emotion. That ain't emotion. I can tell when I get into my emotions and when I get into the Spirit, and I'm going to tell you right now, this morning I felt the Spirit so strongly. I feel Him so strongly right now. He's piercing my body. He's piercing your body. The, the, the thing that we have to do is to be obedient to that Spirit. We've got to answer the call of God when He pierces us, when He hits us in the chest, when He hits us in the gut. I got, you got to do something. You know what I mean? You just get on fire. I'm telling you, when I walk through the door this morning, and I feel it all the time, I'm telling you right now, but when I walk through the door this morning, I was like, whoa, the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit is with us this morning. I'm telling you, when you've got a group of people, this, when you've got a group of people that come together for one common purpose, and that's to worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Spirit is always going to be there. You know why? Because the Bible tells us, and He promises that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not coming to church and you're not, you're not uh, uh, saying those promises that God's already promised you, if you're not hiding the word in your heart and you're not counting on those promises, when you come and worship Jesus, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you don't know the promises of God and you come to church and you, don't, you can't repeat the, the promises that he's made to you, you're missing out. You're missing out. I was sitting back there this morning. I said, Jesus, whoo, you said we're two or three are gathered in your name. Lord, I know we're gathered in your name this morning. There you will be with us. And man, he showed up. Whoo, I got on fire. And then I got nervous. And then I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Lord, y'all know me. I'm telling y'all, know me, boy. I get nervous. Whew. I talk about turkey hunting. It don't do me no good to go turkey hunting. That turkey come out of the woods, I'd be like, oh, oh, I don't know how much longer I can sit here. But listen, I'm telling you, the gospel of Christ is of first importance. And the Holy Spirit, how, how I felt him this morning. Then Paul uses the word Christ here. Paul is affirming that Jesus was the Messiah. He's not saying that this was just some regular dude. This ain't just somebody that's come along that said a good word. He's saying, this is Christ. This man was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. This is the Son of God. I am telling you, this gospel that I received is not just some good story. It is the story of good. You understand what I'm saying here? It's not some just good story. It's the story of salvation. It's the story of grace. It's the story of mercy. It's the story of forgiveness this morning. Christ is all and above all. He was affirming that Christ was God in the flesh. Let me, let me ask you this. How often do uh, we go and tell somebody about Christ? And when we start telling people about Christ, the first words that we say, well, he was the son of God. Well, what's 99.9% .9 of uh, Bible Belt believers going to say? Well, we're all children of God. I'm a son of God. 
We don't do a good enough job of explaining who Christ is. What Christ has come and done for us. What Christ is going. We, we leave this part out more often than we do anything else. What Christ is going to do for us. Mm. I wonder how many times we've told people about Jesus and have not accurately depicted what Jesus was or what he was about. We miss the mark when it comes to explaining Jesus to people. And then we ask them if they want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior when in fact we failed to tell them who Jesus really is. It, it might, you might as well be telling them to come up here and, and bow down before uh, Lolo, the God of whoever. Unicorns. We might as well be telling people that. Because we don't explain who Jesus Christ is. We don't take the time to accurately disciple people. We don't take the time to accurately love people, which is our first and greatest commandment. Love one another. What did Jesus say? He said, by this love shall, man, shall men know that you are mine. We don't do enough loving on people. We don't do enough explaining who Jesus is. And I believe that's why we don't see tremendous amounts of people being saved. You know, the one thing that I love about uh, Billy Graham is when you watch his sermons, when you watch his uh, uh, crusades, he explained to you in basic, simple terms who Jesus was. And I'm not so naive to think that all those people who came to the altar were saved, but I hope in my heart they were. But he explained Jesus so simply that people were able to understand and come to Him and come to Jesus and, 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 and give their whole life to Him. But listen, I want to put it in layman's terms this morning. Very simple terms this morning. Jesus, in very simple layman terms, very simple layman terms, because I can't spend all day, the preacher-thon is not yet, right? That's not today. Amen. <laughs> We can. You just let me know. <laughs> but listen, in very simple layman terms, Jesus is God within reach. God within reach. Because see, apart from Jesus, we could not commune with God the Father. We could not even approach Him because of our sin. But the acts that Jesus done while He was down here on this cross, He built that bridge. He is the mediator. He is the wonderful counselor. And through Jesus, we can come to God the Father. Not based on our righteousness, but based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in very simple layman terms, is God within reach. Paul then writes, this same Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Let me tell you something. Here's the bad news. You and I are sinners. And not just sinners. We're wretched sinners. We don't deserve the grace of God. We don't deserve the mercy of God. I'm sorry if I'm crushing some of y'all's self-righteousness this morning, but it needs to be crushed to put, to put Jesus in the proper place this morning. There's nothing that we do that's right. The Bible says in, in Judges that when God looked down on the earth, that He saw that people done what was according to what they wanted to do. And their hearts were continually evil. 
our hearts are continually evil until that Christ who died for our sins comes into our lives. He comes into our hearts. He changes our hearts. Let me, let me, let me harp on this for a minute. I talk to a lot of people and I'll say, you know, tell me your, tell me your testimony. And they say, well, I accepted Jesus, and then I changed this, and I changed this, and I changed this. Let me tell you something. If you're changing anything after Jesus Christ, you ain't saved. Amen. <laughs> you ain't. Because the Bible tells me that I want, to, I want to run to sin. And that's true. I find it in myself. I want to run to sin. But when Jesus Christ comes into me, here's the change that happens, Okay. I still want to run to sin, but because I want to please my Lord and Savior, I want to be more obedient to Jesus Christ than to run willy-nilly after my own selfish desires. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. Is that we, well, listen, when we stop, when we stop, when we come to the end of ourselves, when we stop saying, I did this and I did this and I did this, and we start saying, Christ in me, Change that because of my obedience to Him. That's when stuff. You, that's when you'll see stuff start to change. You know why I can preach? Not because I want to, but because I'm obedient to Christ. I do not like preaching. I do not like getting up in front of however many people's here this morning. I don't like getting up in front of twenty people in my church. It makes me nervous. But because Christ has placed that call on my life and I want to please my Lord and Savior, I want to be obedient to Him. It's not because I want to get up here and flatter y'all with some words. I promise you that. I've faked it too long. Just a little back testimony. I've faked it too long to be faking it now. I've met Jesus Christ face to face. And I hope today... Whoever hasn't met him face to face can meet him today. But here's, here's what I want you to do. You and I are a sinner. Try explaining that to a person who thinks they don't have any sin. Try explaining that to a person who thinks they're perfect. I got some family, y'all. <laughs> I got some family. Uh, I'm talking about my wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I tell her she's wrong. She'd be like, you better think again. <clears throat> but listen, I got some family. And I, I, I give them the Bible. And they still don't think there's any sin in their life. There's a problem when you have gone so far as to think, I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong with me. But here's what the truth of the Bible says in Romans 3.10. It says, there is none righteous, not one. Living on this earth today or previously that has been fully human. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jesus, when he came in human form, was not righteous because he was. No human, none, not even one, the Bible says, even comes close to righteousness. Not even close. 
Romans 3.23 says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. You know, it's like when you're shooting a bow and arrow and you're shooting for that bullseye. We can't even come anywhere close to the target of Christ. We can't. There's nothing that we can do. We can be a yard away and shoot a bow and arrow at it. And this is just figurative terms. We can be a yard away, shoot a bow and arrow at it, and we wouldn't even hit the target without Christ. There is none righteous. No, not one. Every one of us has transgressed the law. And we are all criminals in the sight of God this morning. Think about that. I don't do bad stuff. I'm not a criminal. I shouldn't be arrested for anything. You ever lied? You ever stole something? You ever envied somebody something? We've transgressed the law. We're criminals in the sight of God. But by God's grace, through the sacrificial lamb, we have been made, made righteousness through him, in him. Amen. You see, when the blood is applied to your life, he no longer looks at Jamie the criminal. He looks at Jamie, the one that's covered in the blood of my, of my son, the one who sacrificed everything for the people that I love. Yes. Amen. Ain't that a wonderful feeling? Yes. Ain't that grace? That I'm a criminal, yet somebody loves me enough to find uh, uh, to offer a way to find a way for me to come back to Him. That's undeserved, right there. Undeserved. You know, well, I got two feral cats at the house. Who's got two years, two year olds, and three year olds? <sighs> They're like feral cats running around. I told Audrey one day. I said, "I said these youngins are like two. I can't keep my house clean." They run around. I told Audrey, I said, they're like diarrheaing cats. <laughs> and we had some of them before. I said, they're just like them. They run around crapping everywhere. <laughs> run around making messes. We do the same thing. We run around making messes with our lives. And we think we're good enough to, to stand before God and we're, we're th we think we're good enough to stand before His judgment when in reality we are not. We have missed the mark. Why did Jesus have to die? I've got to ask that question. If, if, you know, if, if I read this Bible, why, why did Jesus have to die? Because of God's undeserved favor and kindness toward us. Let me, let me tell you this right here. The substitutionary atonement is at the heart of the gospel. It is at the heart of the gospel. Without that atonement, there would be no gospel. There would be no good news. There would be no good story. There'd be no, you know, if there wasn't a gospel of, of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ this morning, we'd be in here, we might as well just be twiddling our thumbs. But we're here because we have a Lord and Savior Amen. who laid his life down because he loved us yeah. enough to be beaten and then, has, you know, then had to drag his cross to the place where he was going to die. Then was nailed to this piece of wood that they erected 
on Golgotha, the place of skulls. They stood him up there like a spectacle for everyone to see. You might as well have been in the crowd. I might as well have been in the crowd, spitting on him, laughing at him, saying, call your angels to come get you. We might as well have been them people. But because of God's undeserved favor and kindness toward us, he sent his son to do that very thing that none of us would have ever done. None of us could ever do. We couldn't even fathom what he went through. Yet he went through it because he loved us. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin. God made his son to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him we ought, or we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself, Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You have been healed by his wounds this morning. Then Paul says that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to Scripture. You see, the resurrection is also essential to the gospel. Without him getting back up, there wouldn't be a gospel. He'd still be in a grave somewhere like Buddha or Gandhi or whoever all them people are. I don't pay no attention to them because they ain't important. The only one that's important is the one who got back up. Hmm? A dead person can't do anything for me. But Jesus Christ, the one who got up, rolled away the stone. The things that he can do in a life that is totally submitted to him. I'm going to give you a little uh, uh, example here. You know Jesus would still be dead if just one sin had been left in his body. If one sin had been left in Jesus' body, he'd still be dead today. Why do I say that? The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. Anybody that, was, that sins will die. Why did Christ have to die? Because he carried the sins of the world. He'd still be in a grave if he had sin still on him. But you see, Christ overcame death. He overcame hell. The Bible says he holds the keys to death and hell. I'm thankful for our Savior this morning. I'm thankful for uh, uh, Jesus this morning that he's no longer in a grave. That he's no longer uh, uh, in, a, in a, uh, uh, a tomb somewhere that people can go visit. I'm glad this morning that I can go visit with him whenever I want to. And that's a sad statement whenever I want to. I should be wanting to spend my whole time with him. But it's a sad statement that we as humans can make. Or have, have to make. But think about that. These people who believe in these other false gods, who believe in uh, the Buddha, who believe in the Hindu god of cows who pee on themselves, whatever. You know, that stuff, 
What is that stuff, man? What is that? Why can't they see the power that is in Jesus Christ? Why can't they see that? It's because they're too stubborn. They think they're, they're perfect. They think they're, they have righteousness in themselves. Listen, in a nutshell, Jesus was born human without any sin, lived a sinless life, allowed himself to be crucified, and as he hung there, God the Father dumped all the sin on him and punished him in my place. He took on the wrath of God for each and every one of us and died on the third day, but risen never to die again. Never to die again. We know that Revelation's coming. Revelation, you know, no man knoweth the day or the hour, but it just feels like it's close. I just feel it in my in my heart. I feel like the you know when when Jesus when Jesus started preaching, what did he preach? (laughs) Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. That's what he that's what he preached. And I can't help but think that same thing this morning. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. God in his grace overcame two enemies of ours, sin and death. Verse 10 says, listen to this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. It is by this grace that there is no other way to gain eternal life. There is no other way to spend an eternity with a God who loves you but by this grace of Jesus Christ. I cannot work for it. There's no amount of money that I can pay for it. I don't deserve it. I couldn't do anything for it. But the one thing that I that I can do, and I'm talking about works, I can't do anything for it by works. There's no amount of work that I can do to gain eternal life. But there's one thing that I can do. Have faith in a Savior who has already overcome sin and death. Who is, who, is, who is sitting at the right hand of God today. Who says, have faith in me and have eternal life. Let me give you uh, some, some several graces by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit this morning. I want to tell you of about five I think I got uh, wrote, written down this morning. One thing, uh, 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 the grace that we all share when we come to the uh, 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 salvation of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we all receive salvation's grace. We all receive salvation's grace. Well, what do you mean? Uh, uh, salvation's grace is God purchasing our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgiving our sins. We all share that same grace this morning. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, we all share that same grace. Salvation grace this morning. Say amen if you, if you share that salvation grace this morning. I feel like I'm preaching too long. Am I preaching too long? Come on, y'all got to be lively. When I say salvation's grace, it, I, it bubbles up inside of me. There's no greater feeling than, than to bow at the feet of Jesus, lay it all down. There is no greater feeling than to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and say, I am nothing, I can do nothing, but you are everything. And when you come to that, your life will be changed drastically. Salvation's grace. 
Number two this morning, I think we all are endowed with a continuing grace. A continuing grace. What do I mean? This is what I mean. I have sinned, I do sin, and I will sin again. But God don't count the sin that I'm going to do in the future against me if I have Jesus Christ. When I have Jesus Christ, He knows I'm going to sin. He knows I'm going to make decisions that, that I don't need to make. He's going to, he's going to, he's, he knows that I'm going to t- go down paths that I don't need to go down. But yet He still supplies enough grace to cover that. It's called continuing grace. See, we can, never, we can never come to that place where we're righteous and we're perfect like Jesus Christ. But we can rest in the fact that no matter how far that I go, and I'm not telling you that you can go waller in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you do sin and you're, you're a child of God, He provides grace that is sufficient to cover that sin. We, we oftentimes get bogged down. You know, I had a bad habit of uh, dipping in country. I like to put a dip in my mouth. But God showed me that I got to stop that. For Him, not for me. For His ministry. People, you know, when you got a dip in your mouth and you start preaching the Word of God, they look at you. What are you doing? <laughs> they do. They're like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that God showed me that I needed to get that out of my life. And he supplied the grace to get it out of my life. There's going to be a lot more things that come into my life that I'm going to have to get rid of. That he's going to have to get rid of. But it's only by his grace can I get rid of them. It's only because of his undeserved favor and kindness can they be gotten rid of. You see what I'm saying here? It's only by God's continuing grace that we can come and worship together this morning. It is only by His continuing grace that we can stand up and say amen. Because we, like I told you, we missed the mark. We don't even deserve a holy God. But because of His abundant grace, because of His efficient grace, we can stand together this morning as a body of Christ and worship together. Continuing grace is a beautiful thing. Continuing grace is what holds us up. It's what, it's what allows us to keep into the ministry. That's what allowed Paul to stay into the ministry. Continuing grace. Think about if uh, God would have just supplied Paul with enough grace to uh, get off the road to Damascus and accept salvation by Jesus Christ. Think if that was the only grace that God gave him. And then think about Paul's life after the road to Damascus. Who knows about Paul? Paul was a prisoner. He was always in chains. He was, at one point in time in Rome, he was chained to a Roman centurion walking around. No doubt that Roman centurion was like, shut up, dude. Like, just shut up for a minute. Like, just give me Jesus because I'm just, I can't get enough of it. Like, you're just sitting there, just shut up. I could just imagine what that was like. But think about if, if God would have just given Paul just enough grace just to get by the road to Damascus. Do you think Paul could have made it preaching in chains, being chained up all of his life? I know without grace in my life, I couldn't. I still have chains in my life. I still have 
uh, 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 you know, a ball and chain around my leg. I still have things that prick me in the side. I still have things that tie me down. But because of God's continuing grace, He allows me that undeserved favor and kindness toward me. He allows me to preach His word. He allows me to minister for His cause. It's not because I choose to. It's because He allows me to do it. And He allows you to do the same thing. We're all under continuing grace this morning. Romans 5.20 says uh, this right here. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, that the sin might abound. The law entered because, uh, so that the sin might abound. But where sin abounded, listen to this, grace did much more abound. Where sin is, there's ample grace to cover it. Where, where, where sin is trapping and, and creating a prison cell, there is grace surrounding that prison cell. All we've got to do is reach out and see it. All we've got to do is reach out and touch it. All we've got to do is fall down at the feet of Christ. Lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. When one becomes a believer in Christ, sin will still be there. Sin will still be there. That's a constant. But the grace of God is more abundant and sufficient. The next grace that I want to talk about this morning is a forgiving grace. A forgiving grace. Everybody thinks when I say that, they think, yeah, God has forgiven me. While that's true, that's not what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about this morning. When I say forgiving grace, do you like to forgive people? Ben is the only one. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I don't like to forgive people. I got a teenage son. Who's got a teenage son? How easy is it to forgive them? You know, the Bible says forgive them of their trespasses. Well, sometimes I just want to kick him in his butt and say, yeah, get out in the yard. And you're not getting nothing to eat tonight. But we have trespasses against us all the time. And I'm telling you, without forgiving grace, we would not be able to forgive those people who trespassed against us. Those people who commit sins against us. Those people who persecute us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a Christian and ever suffered persecution, it's coming. It's coming. Somebody's going to make fun of you for saying that you, you love Jesus. Somebody's going, to, somebody's going to cuss at you. Somebody's going to spit on you. Somebody might even hit you in the face. Because you love Jesus Christ and that you preach his gospel. But in that moment, God has supplied you with a forgiving grace. You don't have to have revenge. You don't have to have retaliation against that person. God has supplied a forgiving grace for us to be able to combat that. The Bible says the revenge is not mine at all. The revenge is God's. You know, so... And, and here's another thing. When I think of being persecuted, when people are making fun of me, because they do. I have friends that make fun of me because I believe in Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus Christ. I preach the gospel. They don't understand it. And they, they're not going to understand it until they come to a conclusion where they're nothing. But I can still have conversations with them about Christ. I can still, even though they make fun of me, even though that you know they they pretty much spiritually punch me in the face, I can still have conversations with them because Christ has forgiven me. How can I not forgive other people? 
How can I not forgive other people? When he laid it all on the line for me, how can I not lay something on the line for him? Forgiving grace. When we actually focus on grace and what it means to be forgiven, then we are given the ability to forgive others. And only through God can we forgive because of the forgiveness we have received. Offenses against us hurt. But think about what God feels when we offend Him every single day. Think about that. Because you're going to sin, right? That sin offends God. Think about what He feels every single day. Jesus Himself, while hanging on a cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. He had been beaten. He had been spit on. He had been mocked. They took a crown of thorns, placed it on his head, and they hit him with reeds to knock it down on his head. Blood coming out everywhere. Rips and gashes in his body. Just The Bible says that blood and water were spilling out of him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You and I can forgive today because we're forgiven. We're forgiven. The last, let me see. Nope, it ain't the last. We're going to get to the chicken in a minute, I promise. Fourthly, today I want to talk about some freedom grace. Freedom grace. God grants me the grace to forget what y'all think of me or the opinions y'all have of me. Mm, that's some strong words, ain't it? That's some strong words. The fact of the matter is, my flesh wants to stand up here and be like, I got to be good today. I got to preach good today. But the grace that God gives me through the freedom that He instills in me could care less. I'm here to preach the gospel of Christ and nothing else. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here to to serve up. I'm not, I'm not here to scratch your itching ears, as the Bible says, Brennan. You know? We got too many preachers wanting to do that today. We got too many preachers that want to just get up and, and get a paycheck, and they have nothing to do with Christ. They have nothing to do with Christ. How can somebody get up in a pulpit and preach the Word of God and have no relationship with Christ? I, I, I don't understand it, Brennan. I don't understand it. But we have thing, we we see it every day. We see it all the time. But we're all given that freedom grace. We're all given uh, 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 that 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 grace that it don't matter what people think of you. You're a child of God. You've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. You are free. Uh, uh, it, like I said, it's hard for me to preach. I'm not a great orator. I'm not a great preacher. But I am what I am by the grace of God. I am, the same thing Paul said right here, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, when I started preaching, Brandon, you'll find this funny. When I started preaching, I wanted to be like, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to be like C.T. Townsend, man. I'm going to get up there and just be like, you know, like a chicken. 
you know, and just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. You know what I'm saying? But that's not how God made me. That's not how God made Brandon. He made us differently. and he, ma- he makes us to preach a gospel the way he requires us to preach a gospel. Amen. We're not to be fools and, 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 and look, what? What's, what's somebody say? Huh? Oh, yeah. I didn't know you were putting stuff up on the billboard. I'm almost out of holy water. That usually means it's time to wrap it up. But listen, I'm glad that we all have that freedom this morning. We ain't got to pretend to be somebody we're not. We are who we are by the grace of God. I find great freedom knowing that who Jesus wants me to be is no different than how he created me. I find great freedom through the, the, uh, uh, the chains this present world has locked on around me. I find great freedom in his word for he promises me this right here. Listen to this, John 8, 36. Woo! If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Let me tell you something. If you're in here without Jesus Christ this morning and you feel like you don't have an identity and you just feel like you're trying to imitate a whole bunch of people just to try to get by, come lay your face down at the feet of Jesus this morning. You don't have to be an imitator of anybody. You can be an imitator of the one who's already come overcome sin and death. The one who's already overcome all the things that this world has to offer. That's the greatest imitator we can be. It's to be one of Christ, to be an imitator of Christ, to show His love, to show His forgiveness. And we can be free in that. We don't have to pretend to be somebody else. We can be who we are because He created us as we are. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Lastly, this morning, I want to talk to you about future grace. Future grace. I read a lot of John Piper and I listen to a lot of John Piper. And John Piper wrote a book called Future Grace. And in this book, he emphatically emphasizes that, sa- that a saving faith founded on the work of Christ in the past is directed towards God's promises for our future. The work of Christ that was done in the past is working for our good in the future. That's a happy thing. Amen? Amen. Future grace is, is, it is so freeing to know that, that I can follow Christ and I don't have to worry about messing up because when I mess up, His grace is still there in the future. His grace is still there uh, five minutes from now. His grace is still there ten minutes from now. His grace is going to be there next week. It's going to be there next month. And it's going to be there next year. And it's going to be there when I'm 50. Hopefully if I make it to 50. I got four kids. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Brandon, we need, to, we need to have like a kids anonymous group, man. We need to get together. Maybe Where's Steve at? Is Steve Harden here this morning? Steve? No, he's not here this morning? I need, to, I need to talk to him about having a celebrate recovery for four kids. That's what we need. Amen. Me and Audrey will be there every week. 
Huh? I need to come. Audrey, make a plan. <laughs> but listen, that future grace, that is why Paul was able to do what he was doing while being detained, a prisoner, because of the work of Christ in the past. That grace that was bestowed upon him helped him labor, not in vain, but more abundantly in all. He's not being uh, uh, prideful here. He's not saying that uh, uh, because I'm doing more than anybody else. But what does he say? He said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Why? Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, when you, when you finally understand the grace of God, when you come to terms with the grace of God, you understand that you can go forward. You ain't got to go in reverse no more. You ain't got to turn left. You ain't got to turn right. You can go forward. It don't matter what circumstance you're in. You know, uh, 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 I've been uh, uh, guilty of circumstantial faith before. I don't know if y'all know the whole story, but I'm sure you do, because it had like 1.9 thousand likes or something, views. My wife got COVID. And there was a point where I was driving back home to the hospital. They wouldn't let me be with her. I had to go back home. And I, the whole time in that minivan, I thought the minivan, I thought that roof was going to rip right off the minivan, because I was screaming at God. God, why don't you hear me? Why are you not answering my prayers? What, am I, what, what do I got to do for you to hear me? And God reminded me in that moment. Go read uh, Psalms 46. I'm going to leave that to y'all because we ain't got time today. But Psalm 46, just to summarize it. Though the mountains be quaking, though the seas be roaring, though the mountains be removed. You know what he says? Be still and know that I am God. It is because of that future grace that got me through having thoughts of my wife dying and raising four kids together. It is that future grace that brought her through that sickness that she had. And it's that future grace that's going to hold us until the second coming of Christ. There is great peace knowing that God, after salvation, provides abundant future grace through the work of Jesus Christ as the substitutionary sacrifice for us all. As we wrap up today, I told you, Brandon, I was going to give it back to you. But listen, I want to leave you with this. I invite you to live in that grace today. I invite you to live in that grace today. And if you don't know Jesus today, I pray that you will find Him at the altar. And that you will beg Him for that grace today. Because there is no other grace greater than the sending of God's own Son, Jesus Christ. I love y'all. Thank y'all for having me.